find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. You know, at some point in life, we all face losses of some type. Now, it may be it may be a family member, it may be a friend, it may be a partner. But what do we do when we face loss? You know, each of us deal with loss and grief and sorrow in our own way. You know, on a on a very very personal note, um, at the beginning of this week um, was the. This is the 13th anniversary of the day that my mom died from cancer. So it's it's been kind of an emotional roller coaster for me. Um, still still miss her. Um, I have more days where it's it brings a smile to my face when I I see something that reminds me of her. But it's it's still rough. Um, but. You know, and I, it's, it's interesting how my, my perspective on, on other family members, members have changed. I, I call it, you know, seeing them without the mom filter, you know, which is, is kind of, think about that, because it's, um, it's interesting how we, we perceive family members one way, and then we perceive them a different way without their partners. That, that'll, that'll get you thinking later on, after, after the call. Um, but today, I've got a guest with me who wrote a book called Life Worth Living. And it's interesting because she talks, part of what she talks about in there is creating a life after loss. Now her name, first let me, let me introduce her first and then I'll tell you better. Hello Michelle, it's great to have you with me today. Hi Mickey, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm literally reliving losses and love at the same moment while you're opening this and introducing me. So I'm getting chills over here already because there's so much love even in loss. So thank you again for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, I'm I'm really glad to have you. And I, I actually, it, it didn't dawn on me, but um, like I said, it it's an interesting day to be talking about loss. An interesting week, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. So it, it may get emotional at some point, but we're we're going to talk about all this. So let me let all me the more reason to have this poignant day. Exactly. Well, and I'm I'm transparent about that kind of stuff. I figure if if I share things that are more personal with me it's it's more i i think it's more helpful for the listeners you know it's it's not mm-hmm. i'm not just telling you things that i read about i'm i'm sharing my life experiences so i hope that helps so michelle hoffman is an international best-selling author of the books life worth living and new management blueprint she's a master life and relationship coach and a keynote speaker as a relationship expert, she shares the secrets to create magnetic interpersonal connections, improving your personal life and increasing your professional success through the art of relationshiping. I like that word. And she's passionate about helping people create a life worth living despite loss. 
And after her late husband passed away, she adjusted her professional writing and consulting to more personal support. Now, you know, I like that. And, you know, we, like I said at the beginning, we all face loss in different ways. And we all have to grieve in our own mm-hmm. way. But, you know, yes. some, it's, it can derail people. It can derail people, and some people just kind of push it aside and don't deal with it. Mm-hmm. Other people get kind of bogged down with it, and it seems to me we we need to like honor the person in ways. And there's 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 just so many aspects to it. What what's your short answer? And then we're gonna we're gonna delve into it a whole lot more. <laughs> the short answer you actually gave us a clue to just a moment ago, and I feel like I'm jumping in in the middle of this, but each of us live our lives. Um, so grief is, it's all about, it, it's all about resilience. If you wanted to give me the short, if you wanted the short answer. True. True. And what you want out of life. What I've learned is what we want in life is love. And when we lose that love, how do we move through that to find love again? True. You know, I, I've, I've had some people tell me that they think they're betraying loved ones if they don't kind of get stuck in grieving for the person. This is true. Yeah, grief is, and you can insert the word that is appropriate for you, for grief, loss, trauma, PTSD, life transition, whatever it is. But I'm going to use the word grief, and you put in the right word for you, because grief is complicated, it's ambiguous, it blurs your vision when you're trying to drive or get something done in your life. Grief will slam your head against the wall drop you to the kitchen floor and put its foot on your neck when you're trying to breathe or see your future. And it's not until you invite grief in to have a seat at the table and a cup of tea to have a conversation with grief to identify what does that life experience hold for you that you treasure so much that you will allow it to have a hold on you versus treasuring and honoring what grief holds to help move you forward in life. And those people who are getting stuck in grief, who are holding on to this, to in a way to honor their loved ones, are people who, and I know people, in fact, my son, I helped my son through this also. Um, so it's not just adults, it's everyone. His feeling was, it was so painful to experience loss that he never felt that he could or should love again because he didn't want to experience that level of pain again. Therefore, I've heard, yeah, I've heard that. to identify what grief holds that you can honor and treasure will help you move forward in life because Someone who we loved that much, who loved you this much, actually wants for you to continue and love living your one precious life, knowing that they made a difference, a positive difference 
in it. That would be the short version. Right. Well, I've, I've had people say that about getting another pet. You know, once the pet dies, oh, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to have another one because I can't go through losing one. Right. Well, you don't want to backfill the position. That never works. Knowing that you're moving forward and when you're ready, and we can use, you know, we can use having a pet, and pets don't live as long as we do. So it's an anticipated reality. And one of the reasons that pets are so important to us is that we learn about loss and how we want to celebrate life and the traditions in the life cycle. And that's very key to moving forward. You and I were talking, I call it in the green room, but before we started recording, one of the things I can help people with is who were you before? What roles did you have? And any of your listeners can just think right now. We'll just jump right in and do an activity. Who did you used to be? Were you a child, a son, a daughter? Were you a sibling? Were you a friend? Did you, were you a musician, an artist, an athlete? Like to really take a moment and figure out who were you before? And what did life look like in those roles? And now, if you are someone who has been through grief or trauma or loss, even moving to a new community or getting a new job, these all have losses. Divorce, in many ways, is the loss of life the way you thought it should have been. A tremendous grief process happens. So who did you used to be? What roles do you have now? You're no longer a partner. You might be an ex. You might be a widow. You may never have had a relationship, but you're still someone who desires that level of love and partnership in your life. Um, You may be a parent. You may be an employee or an employer. What are all the roles? Because if you looked for someone to partner with professionally and or personally, based on who you used to be, it's never going to work. It's not the right fit. And that's, one of the mistakes people make is they may be looking to replace or backfill the position of their previous pet, their previous partner, their previous lover, whatever it is. They're trying to fit a puzzle piece into what used to be. So figuring out very clearly who are you now and who would you like to step into becoming? So perhaps you had uh, and the, the a beautiful metaphor that you and I were sharing was that you had a very quick um, surgery that changed your life from black and white, and you may not have even realized that you were in black and white or shades of gray in your life, and that through this very short surgery, you then could see the world in color again. And what was especially beautiful is that you did this cataract surgery with one eye, first. Therefore, you could see how you were viewing the world in black and white and gray. And that's who you used to be or how you were seeing the world, the roles you used to have. And if you shut that eye and opened the eye that it had the surgery, you could see who you were stepping into becoming. And the world is filled with color and shadows and light and diversity and opportunity. And it was such a beautiful metaphor. 
because that's who you're looking into stepping into becoming with your vision of your life. I help people who have had loss and are lonely and alone and they want to rebuild their life again filled with color and love. And life is better with good love in it. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that about our pets teaching that to us. Because I, it, the first time I had to make the decision to, to have a pet put to sleep, God, that mm-hmm. was rough. Oh, my goodness. Because I, I, I'd had her with me for like 17 years. And, I mean, yeah. of course, we've been through so many things together. And making that decision, wow, that was hard. You know, oh my God! Yeah, I, you know, it was it was like okay, this isn't about me. This isn't what I want and what I feel that I need. It was one hundred percent. What did she need? You know, what was what was in her right. best interest? You know, and so so then when when mom was in hospice care and things were so bad, and and I'm watching my family members. You know, in in such bad shape. I mean, I I didn't want mom to be gone, but the cancer was no. at such a point that it's like, okay, this isn't about what any of us want. This is about her and what's best for her, and we all need to let let her go because it's the best for her. And they all looked at me like I was crazy, and I'm like, y'all, you know. It's not about any of us. It's about right. her. You know, what's, what's in her most interest? You know, because it gets to a point where the person has zero quality of life. She's in pain mm-hmm. all the time. All they're doing is pumping them full of, of pain meds. It's not about any of us. You know, and, and I mean, they, they, they were hating on me bad. And I'm like, okay, if y'all don't comprehend that, we have nothing to talk about. We we talk mm. at some point when y'all are willing to have an open mind, you know. But you know, I'm I'm a right. little outspoken. <laughs> so, my and again, everybody has their own unique perspective on how things should be addressed. What your yeah. view was saying was, I want to be a partner and have her best interest in mind and make decisions yeah. on her behalf the way she would make them. And that's yeah. the kind of person we're all, each of us are looking for someone to share life's adventures with, to sit next to one another and nudge each other and go, do you, do you see that? And also then to be able to reflect back and witness one another's lives so that you could say, do you remember that? She's literally sharing the joys of life as well as partnering and sharing the challenges in life. And knowing that you're there for one another, to have each other's back. And there are so many people in the world who've never actually had that level of unconditional where they know they would do that for someone else. And they also know with confidence that the decisions that person would make for them would be the way that they would make them for themselves. It's such a gift to go from lonely to love that you feel like you're walking on air 
that you're Twitterpated, that life is cotton candy. It's, you know, it's like you know your home and that you've got a partner in, in the way that you get to share this life journey. And taking pets, for example, I can share some of my own story here. Um, my, um, I, I got to marry the man of my dreams. He was not obvious choice, but he was definitely the right one. We were right for each other. We were nothing alike and we had everything in common. We were at the right point in our lifeline, in our relationship arc. Our values were in alignment. What we wanted in life and out of life was exactly right. And it was a perfect relationship. We built a family together. We built a home together. We built a life together. I loved it until he died. And that was unanticipated. So my, you know, well, there was a, for us, there's no easy way in and there's no easy way out. But here's the deal. My life plan was over as I understood it. And now here I am sole parent, sole breadwinner, and single. Ugh. And I'm somebody who is, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a partner. I'm a good partner. So I really wanted that in my life. And with that, um, I'm very logical and compassionate at the same time. I rebuilt life. And then a friend of mine passed away suddenly, and I thought, I don't know what to do. And I realized, ooh, I do know what to do, and I can't do nothing. So I went to his widow and said, this is never going to be okay. I'm going to hold your hand and walk this journey with you. Let's project manage this thing. And helped her rebuild her life and her kid's life. And then everyone was like, oh, my God, that was brilliant. Can you help them and them and them? And I'm like, oof, I need two jobs. And over time, everyone was saying, this is your job. And I'm like, this is a job? Hmm. So that's when I wrote my first book, Life Worth Living, because it was the guide I did not have. And I knew I needed right. to gift that to the world. One of the things that you were talking about, if we're going to talk about the love for, there's re- lo- related by blood love and there's related by love love. And our pets who we bring into our lives definitely related by love. And Can it I is so hard. You bet. Okay. Let me ask you a question. You mentioned yeah. not backfilling. Oh, I love that. I love that idea. Because um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes when a partner dies, the person looks for somebody just like them. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like I, I was so happy in this relationship. I got to find the same the same person, the same sort of person, um, right? And and you know you're you mentioning you know who are you now? Because we know we know we, that we we grow. Well, most people grow as people over time and change and this sort of thing. And maybe we right. we don't acknowledge that or realize that. So could that maybe if if a person goes into a new relationship after loss? thinking they need the same sort of person that they had that they've lost. Could that right. maybe be why one of the reasons that a rebound relationship doesn't work out? Because they haven't considered who they 
who they are after the loss. You know what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do. So absolutely, yes, because you have changed. If, um, and I'll give you sort of just a little abstract here. If you are a young person in high school, and you decide that you're going to go out with someone. And I mean, it works for every law of attraction in every which way. I'm going to standardize male, female just for this situation. But if you decide that you want to have a boyfriend and there's someone who's caught your attention and you really, I call an intimate relationship um, communication at a high level and whatever level that's right for you at any given time, You get together and you've got this boyfriend, let's say, and you guys are doing things that are appropriate for high schoolers. You don't necessarily need to future cast, I call it, into what might happen 10, 20, 30, 50, 80 years down the road. Just have fun with your boyfriend. Then as you grow, maybe, if it's right for you, you're thinking that you'd actually like to partner someone to share finances and expenses and that sort of thing. That's a, that could very well be a different person than a high school boyfriend. And at some point you may even decide to um, partner with somebody who you'd like to welcome children into the world with and co-parent with. That might be the same, but it also is a different set of values. And you want to make sure that the values are in alignment so that the two of you in that story would like the same thing and maybe are raising children in a similar value, faith, family, finance, uh, fitness, lifestyle, intellect format. And those are the things you want to consider when you're inviting someone in based on where you're at in life and who you'd like to become in life. And maybe you've done all those things and you're on the heels of heartbreak or you're divorced or widowed. And, you know, now at a different point in your life, really the person you'd like to invite in is a companion and someone to share life's adventures with. I am so fortunate in my new job. Well, it's not a new job anymore, but um, in my job of being a relationship coach, that every single day I get feedback from my clients of how in love they are and how happy they are to love their lives. And my clients are generally between the ages of 35 and 84 now. And I say that because I, yes, because my 84 year old client was, I sent her a happy birthday note, and she was thanking me, saying, I just want to let you know how thrilled I am in life. And she sent me a picture of her and her boyfriend celebrating her birthday in Greece. She's like, I've never felt this before. I've never been happier than I am now. Thank you for helping me make that happen. So, of course, not everyone is of that age. But in reality, it's never too late to find love now. That is, I, you know, I, I had a, a similar conversation with my grandmother at 94, 95, somewhere around there. 
and and she had she had found a new boyfriend. We, it was fascinating the conversations we were having about her boyfriend, younger younger mm-hmm. boyfriend, and and it it took her till about ninety two to find someone that she truly felt loved her the way she felt right. like she should be loved. And it was it was a fantastic conversation. It really was, you know, but it's it's never it's never too late, you know? It's never too late. Yeah. It's what what people feel is they feel too old, too fat, not rich enough, not fancy enough, not high enough on the social hierarchy of things that they're not worthy of love or they are unlovable. And that and there is a lid to every pot. Yep. If you really have clarity on who you are and who you'd like to invite into your life. And that's where when people are ready for that, they'll come to me and I can help expedite and make that process go so much faster. And when people have been trying to do this on their own and it's just not working or they're repeating the same they find themselves in the same types of relationships going, here I am again. How did this happen? There's usually like, I call it a one click pivot. There's just one simple thing that's in their blind spot that I can pretty quickly identify for them to help them understand what is holding them back. What's keeping them from love. And once I present that to them, it's like, the door is open. It's like that five-minute, seven-minute cataract surgery you were talking about. Suddenly, they can see, again, the world in a whole new way and go, oh, I can breathe now. I had a client. uh, She was telling me about trauma she had as a young child. And her stepfather, she was abused physically, mentally, emotionally. Her stepfather and her mother were in a terrible fight, the worst fight they've ever had. And her mother took her and threw her into a closet, dirt, small closet, slammed the door and locked it. Would it surprise you to know that she has been claustrophobic her whole life? Nope, not at all. It's not surprising a bit. Anyone might feel that way. When we were talking about this, and I mentioned to her, you know, you're a grown-up woman now. You've had so much life experience. In fact, you got married and you've had a daughter of your own. You would protect your daughter at all costs. You would never let something like that happen to her. Is that right? She said, absolutely. I would never let something like that happen to her. I said, would you protect her from a threat so much that you might throw her in a closet and lock the door and take the heat yourself and make sure she was safe. (gasps) This was the first time that my client had ever considered that she was being thrown in that dark, lonely, frightening, locked-in small space for her protection. Mm -hmm. And she took a few breaths, and she realized she had not been shoved in that closet as a frightening situation. She was there for her protection. Excuse me. And she said, oh, my God. 
I don't have to be claustrophobic anymore. She says, oh, my God, I can use the elevator for the first time. She said, thank you. I can go to the movie theater. I can use my walk-in closet. It was really a shift. And we all agreed we may feel the same way she did. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional about that for her. And she didn't have to live that way ever again. It's something like that that's so simple, but we carry around in our bodies and in how we live our lives. Maybe we've been taught to be a good kid, be a good girl. And so you grow up and you are a good girl. And you marry the person that you were supposed to marry. And you have children with this person. But in fact, your value systems are so out of alignment. And I hope this doesn't happen to any of you. But I have clients who've come to me saying that their partner threatened their lives and put their children at risk. And they knew it was time to get out of that situation. And they were brave enough to do that. But that left them alone. And they were not certain and confident they could make the right choice for themselves again because it was such a risk before. I have people who say, where were you 30 years ago? I would not have married the man I married. It was 15 years of suffering and three children later. And now she is married to the man of her dreams. And she said, I'm not willing to mess that up. So you're hired. And I want to rebuild the relationship with my boy. Right. So it's all about relationshiping, whether it's the parent-child relationship where you're the parent, parent-child relationship where you're the child, the partner, the whoever it is. Because if it's claustrophobia, what is holding you back from seeing the potential of a relationship that you could be in? And I actually sometimes start and meet people where they're at. And I have started with the relationship with your pet. Interestingly enough, to keep continuity in our theme here. Uh, One of the things my person... Go ahead. And and my Chloe is right here beside us. (laughs) Yay, Chloe. One of the things that I lost when I lost my husband was touch. And I didn't realize it initially until some time had passed and a neighbor and a friend came up and put their hand on my shoulder and I went, and I thought, oh my goodness, I have not been touched except for like, you know, condolence hugs for way too long. And I realized, you know, massages uh, are no longer a luxury. That is a legal and appropriate way to bring touch back into my life. So then I started to pay attention to touch. And you know what kids need when they lose someone they love? They need someone they love to touch them and hug them appropriately and lovingly. Yes. And to support in that way. And we had lost a dog just before my husband passed. And 
what the dog taught us by passing at that point was how we were going to develop tradition and ceremony through loss in our lives as we buried her and grieved over the loss of this loved pet. And hmm. then when my husband passed, we, the kids and I knew what to expect because we had experienced that through the loss of our pets. I mean, it's certainly not necessarily the same. We as humans treat these differently, but not that differently. And we knew what it was going to feel like to have that deep love loss. So here I am. And at this point, it was two years had passed since we had lost the dog. And my children were like, we would love to have another pet like that one. And I'm like, you can't backfill the position. You do realize that this new pet who comes in is no longer going to have the experience of being the first one on site. They called this first dog uh, the, the first mommy. I was the second mommy because she always showed up first when they cried. Okay. And this is not going to be like that. This dog is going to be your baby because you're now more, they were eight, nine years old, but you're going to be right. taking care of this pet, not the pet taking care of you. So it's going to be a different animal. And when we invited this sweet dog into our lives, she brought not only touch back into our lives, she brought laughter back into our lives. And she brought responsibility into our lives. She brought the opportunity to go for walks back into our lives. So energy and exercise and getting out into the world in a whole new way. Just a beautiful right. gift. And, and an, a, another entity who is a witness to your life, unconditional love, who looks to you and understands your emotions without words. Oh, so beautiful. I can almost, I, I just, in that, yes, I heard your love for Chloe right there. So good. Well, you know what's, what's interesting with Chloe and with you, the, the cats that I had before her, is no matter how, they, they, of course, have to lay beside me, right? But when they're, when they're, no matter what they're doing, both of them mm -hmm. have to reach out and have one paw touching me. I, all the kids I've had all these years, they're the only two to do that. And, and Muse especially would do that if when I'm working really, really long days. He would, if he lays like on the other side of the room, comes over and has to tap me a couple times throughout the day like, hey, hey, remember me? And he'd go back and lay down. <laughs> Just checking in, making the connection, giving that physical, emotional touch. So lovely. And even, even when Muse was mad at me about something, he would come over and lay facing away so he didn't have to look at me. He'd be that mad, right? But he so he's touching me, but he's not looking at me. <laughs> right. So I still get to have a right to how I feel about things, and unconditional love is still here. Exactly. Just so you know how I'm saying. That is such a beautiful relationship. Yeah. He was he was so good. Me. I was I was in the hospital for a month, and so I left him with friends <laughs> to take care of it. Mm -hmm. right? So he had his own oh, room yeah. and all this, right? And and but when I finally got back, 
I, I came in and he was there and he, boy, he was mad. Oh my goodness, he was mad. So, so I'm, I'm stretched out on the bed trying to rest. And so, and, and he, he's determined not to come out from under the bed, not coming out, right? So then all of a sudden I see him and he comes up under the sheet, okay, under the sheet. And he, he comes mm-hmm. up under the sheet and he lays beside my leg, touching me under the sheet. And stays there for hours. <laughs> so the way you just described this is that we can have more than one emotion at a time. And all so often we forget about that. And so your sweet, loving, you know, partner in and pet is saying, I am angry at you for leaving is and expressed that physically and emotionally and in the body language and that's what I'm saying and there is so much communication in all of this and knowing that exactly. we can and we're talking about loss in particular one of the hardest parts of losing the life the way you thought it should have been is you know you would have wanted things to be different or you would have wished you could have shared an experience with someone who you loved in a way that you wanted it to be. And so there's a happiness, a pride and a joy. And then there's this twinge of, I wish things could have been differently so that there's could joy could have been more exaggerated and amplified in such a life celebration. And so even your cat, of course, can share and show more than one emotion at a time. The new book that I'm writing right now is specifically about that. It's Find Love Now. How do you attract, keep, and enjoy the right love in your life? One of my clients says, Michelle, you say, you don't always know when it's wrong, but you know when it's right. And that would piss her off. Until now, because now she knows true love, and she's in the real, like, walking on air, like two entities becoming one. Again, even with your cat, your cat is sharing with you, I'm sorry that you were gone. I love you so much, and I'm so glad you're back. And I'm looking looking forward to sharing life's experiences with you. And that can happen with the right person. Yep. But I that I didn't had to share that. I thought but yeah. And, and it's exactly perfect. But it was it exactly. was I, I said I have to, I'm actually gonna write a, a book about the, the whole health experience and I had to have a picture of that for the book. <laughs> perfect. Yes. 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 Because we all go through these life experiences and having a guide to help look back and say, here's how to walk this journey and reduce the suffering and the pain is such a gift to be able to help people move forward in a way without falling into the same pitfalls and obstacles. That's the gift. That's it right there. Yes. Beautiful. Speaking speaking of pitfalls, what what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes people make, and how they can prevent them? 
Um, okay, well, in life, <laughs> in dating, mm-hmm. um, you want to give me a narrow or do you want me to just go for it? Well, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your question that applies to everything. How about that? The biggest, I'll give you, I'll start this way. There is, I've, I've now worked with so many individuals and couples, professionals and personal, personal stories. There is literally, I can reduce this and simmer it down to one challenge. How about that? The biggest challenge that people have, that's how to, that communication, trust and respect is how you move through that challenge. But the biggest okay. challenge, so you were right on that. You get an A. Uh, the biggest challenge that people have in relationships that throws them out of alignment is that someone is feeling like they are not enough. And that could result in them feeling not lovable. But really, even feeling not lovable is if you don't feel like you are enough or if you feel like someone's treating like treating you as if you're not enough. That's what throws relationships out of alignment, and that's when the disconnects begin. Now, at the beginning of a relationship, if we get to start there, I mean, with my clients, I make sure that everything is in alignment in their relationships so they don't run into those problems, and they know how to trust themselves in intimate relationships, and they know how to navigate obstacles. If you don't have that luxury and you're already in a relationship, um, which is a good thing, how to maintain that alignment so that you can know confidently how to interact with your partner so you're each feeling like you are enough and full and that you two can each maintain your own independence, individuality, and identity all while being in a partnership where you are something greater than the sum of its parts, you know, the whole is greater than. So, right. um, the first thing that people tend to do, which is the biggest mistake that people make, is they're trying to be something they are not to attract people. And we put together this idea of who we are and we write these stories in our head of who we are to attract someone to that. Here's the challenge. If you're not representing yourself accurately and genuinely, you could be attracting someone who isn't actually attracted to authentic you. And you can't maintain that false identity for any real length of time. Maximum would be about two years. After that, the true you is coming out one way or another. And then it's like you aren't who you said you were. So that, well, I think, know, is I, the biggest mistake. Go ahead. You know, I, people do that kind of thing, and they, they use, like, the wrong picture and a big one. I mean, I'm I'm six one, okay? So, and they use the wrong height. okay. You can't fake the wrong height when you meet somebody. I'm sorry. You know. Right. Okay. 
I'm, I'm going to know you're not six feet tall when you're five, six. No way you're going to fake it. Can't be done. Right. You know, just be honest. Back when I was on dating sites, put stuff there, and, and I'd, I'd say, okay, if you aren't blah, 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 I'm going to know in a second. I'm going to know when mm-hmm. I see you across the room. Trust me. Trust me. Right. <laughs> it's true. But, I mean, uh, so I'm going to use the word lie here just to give a comparison. Think about this. When little kids lie, why? It's easier when you talk about it with little kids because we would never do something like that. Um, but the reason that children, right, the reason children lie is because they want to give you the truth they think you're going to be happy with. Right. And so they're trying to recreate reality. They're curating a truth that they think will please you. That's what's happening with these people who are saying they're taller than they are. They're identifying as taller than they are. They're wishing they were taller than they are. They're trying to invite someone in who will overlook that so that when they meet them, they'll be so enchanted with this person. It won't matter that they're not taller than they are. You're getting it now. Um, But the truth is going to come out. Yeah. Say that that again. Yeah. You know, with with me, you get further with the truth. You know, so. So that goes back to my commentary about core values. So if honesty, authenticity, and integrity is in your core value system, you're going to realize that right away. When someone says, you know, they're not the age they are or the height they are or I mean, why, why not be you? Because I promise you, there is someone for everyone. And really, it's just knowing who you are authentically to invite someone in who can fall in love with the genuine you. I mean, I used to say to my late husband, wow, you really know who I am and you like me anyway. Thanks. Um, and, you know, we all have our quirks and our ways of doing things and, to be with someone who loves you for you, that's, that right. is bringing the color into a black and white world. To yes, know that is. you are perfect exactly as you are. And there are love songs written about that all through time. Because that's what it's well, all about. It's, it's not about being perfect, but being perfect for that person. Right. And being perfectly, like, the if you're going to see the big picture or of a puzzle or and you're looking for the right, 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 and you're looking for the your right puzzle piece, then, right. you know, you, you want to make sure that you are showing, even if it's an awkward part of the puzzle, you want the piece that fits in there. <laughs> That's it. And again, knowing who you were and who you are and who you wish to become in addition to who you want to invite into your life to fill that picture out the way that is going to be so accurate for you that you will be on your deathbed 
knowing you really lived. That's what I help my clients do. That's a big gift. You know, knowing who you are and what you Mm -hmm. want and and even why you want that first exactly a really yes. absolutely one one of the first things that um i get to do when i'm working with someone is we spend the first part of the the time together um helping them become their definition of relationship ready and Ooh, like it Yeah, because when you know you're relationship ready and you're diving into the dating pool, then it's so much easier to identify someone else who is appropriately relationship ready for you rather than someone who might drag you down with them. And we've all heard the stories of misrepresented people or catfish or people who aren't who they say they are. When you're relationship ready, It is so simple to not waste a moment of your precious life on the wrong people. You go right to the right people who are appropriate to partner with. And that transforms the whole dating experience to be a fun one. It's fantastic. So what, what are some clear signals that indicates a person should reach out for some help instead of just continue, continuing to, you know, struggle on their own? Because some people Beautiful are question. struggling and struggling and it's just not working. Right. What, what well, if you... That they need help. The clear signal to know that it's time to reach out to somebody like me, if you don't get, if you're not confident that you aren't trusting yourself in intimate relationships and you're having trouble navigating obstacles in relationships, it's time to reach out to somebody like me to learn the art of relationshiping. If you don't feel like you can advocate for yourself in personal relationships or professional relationships, it's time to go to theartofrelationshiping.com and set up time with me. If you find yourself running into the same type of relationship over and over again, and it's just not working, it's time to go to the art of relationshiping. If you are running into um, time limits, like I've got clients who are ready to have children and they really want to invite children into their lives and they really want to do it with the right partner and they have not found that partner, it is time to go to theartofrelationshipping.com and schedule some time with me. Well, and I, I never, until, until I discovered the love coaching course that I took and, and all the training with Dr. Ava to get my, my certification, I, I never knew there was such a thing as relationship coaches. I never knew there was such a thing, you know. Right. You know, you, and there's not only that, we don't... Right. We're not taught this at home. We're not taught this at school. And if you never learned this from a friend or a family member or you had a model somewhere, then we keep running into the same problems. And we don't know that there is such a thing as a relationship coach because, I mean, just like if you want to learn tennis, you hire a tennis coach. If you want to learn math, you hire a math teacher. 
Yeah. This is what that is. And I have plenty of people who don't feel like they should hire a relationship coach or they should know this already or, you know, they just want to be my friend to figure it out. And it's like, if I were a hairdresser, I don't go around knocking people down and doing their hair. You do need to come to me and say, I am ready to, you know, make this change. I want this change. And you are the person to help me make this change. And then there's transformation that's very easy. And I mean, it might take more than six or seven minutes, like you were saying, the cataract surgery took to go from black and white to color. But if you are feeling lonely, lost, depressed, and worried that you'll never find this in your life, I can help you go from the black and white loneliness to the color of feeling in love now very quickly. Some people don't have the models or mentors, and many people have found that using me as the model or mentor helps them find the love beyond their dreams that they thought they could ever have. So you are absolutely, absolutely right. We're not told that there's a way to find out how to do this until you run into somebody like you or me. And like I said, it definitely isn't taught in school. And asking your best friend or whatever usually isn't the best policy. So, And yeah, the I, dating rules of engagement have changed. So what worked for your yeah. grandparents, parents, and your friends, you are a very unique individual. It may not work for you. So you need to yeah. customize every, your way for you. Every, every relationship is different. So. But every one of our relationships is probably going to be unique and different. So, you know, what, what you did. So here's time, something you know, interesting. You are absolutely right. Every, each unique relationship is unique and different. However, they all go through the same cycle from chemistry to yep. casual to committed. And when you understand the phases of that cycle, you know where you're at. You know, you can put relationships back into alignment, and it is so much fun to not only go through that cycle, but to spiral it up, and then chemistry in a relationship just keeps getting better the more you enjoy the from chemistry to casual to committed relationship process. Well, and, and determine if, if it should be committed or not, because not all of them. Right. Right. So that, so in brief, the chemistry portion of a relationship, that's at the beginning, the law of attraction where everything is like, oh my God, this is so exciting. <laughs> and, you know, it, it literally changes the chemistry in your body. Um, the endorphins are running, your oxytocin is like just giving you that high, like as if you're eating a bunch of chocolate, right? So this is the chemistry part of the relationship where you can't stop thinking about somebody. And then as you get to know one another, you move through to the casual phase. And in the casual phase of a relationship, what's happening is that you can look forward to an experience that you can anticipate enjoying. Maybe it's a kiss that you're really enjoying and you're looking forward to that again. Maybe it's sharing an experience together and you're getting to know this person and you know that spending time with them is going to be fantastic. 
and something that you're excited about. And so that's in the casual phase. The other thing that happens in the casual phase that you had just brought up is this is also the point at which we need to determine are there any deal breaker, relationship deal breaker, red lights going on here? Like here's a big red flag. This is a no-go. We're out of alignment. Your core values are far too different from mine. You're not who you say you are. I value authenticity, honesty, integrity, and trust. And if you're not who you say you are, this is not going to be a relationship that's going to work. And that's when, like a red flag deal breaker, that's when you say, cut and run. Or if it's a yellow flag, that's where you're going to take a moment and clear that so that you have a better understanding of what's really happening here um, and why somebody said that they were not as tall as they actually or they're taller than they actually are. So that's when you get that kind of insight and information. And just, you know, with yellow flags through communication, trust, and respect, um, you figure that stuff out. And then if everything's a green light, that's when you move into the committed stage of a relationship. These stages, like I said, are, are spiral. So it could be that when you meet someone and you're like curious and this is interesting, let's up-level this relationship to a text conversation. Let's up-level it to meet in person. So you go chemistry casual to committed. The up-leveling is a committed stage, which you are then moving forward to the next level. So it's not always, you know, put a ring on it, we're going to walk down the aisle. There's, we do this over time. Each communication interaction builds trust. And, you know, we see, is, are there, is there a red light or is there a green light? And if it's the green light go, then that puts you back into the chemistry phase and you can get excited all over again about another opportunity that you share. Like maybe it's going to be a second date. And you now have an idea of who this person is, who you get to spend time with, and it's going to be wonderful. And you try a new restaurant. That could throw you into a chemistry adrenaline rush or a new something as simple as a new menu item at a restaurant. Maybe you decide to do something that's a huge adrenaline rush, sharing a life experience together that neither of you have shared before. And that's how you go push things back into chemistry. That's the secret to pushing a relationship that's kind of gotten stagnant into um, an exciting one again. By throwing it into the chemistry phase with something fresh and new that you can share together. So each of our relationships are unique and individual. And they all follow this from chemistry to casual to committed viral cycle. Well, I'll tell you what. You want to let them, one more time, you want to let them know how they can find you? Of course. I'm Michelle Hoffman. I am your relationship coach, and I would love to spend some time with you to talk about what's going on with you. And the way we can make that happen is to go to theartofrelationshipping.com and schedule some time with me. I look forward to it because life is better with good love in it. Thank you, Nikki. All right. And listeners, um, I'll have a replay of the show and Michelle's contact information at lovecoachjourney.com slash relationshipping. And listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.